0: Good afternoon. Welcome to the channel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're going to be talking some macroeconomics. You know, we all went through that in in college and we understand the implications it all has. But really, a lot being discussed right now as we see what's happening in the world, what's happening in the country, as we wait to find out if and when there should be a government shutdown. That's a factor the markets have been talking about both from the grains and the protein side. But we do have a report coming out on Friday. The stocks report will be our last for a a while, we're going to find out all those details, along with China, where are they buying their beans, because it's definitely not from the U.S. like it usually is this time. Arlen Suderman is joining us with Stonex. We've got a lot to unfold in, in today's conversation, and Arlen, we do probably have to start out with the macroeconomics of what's going on in this trade, because we've got such a focus um, right now, it doesn't matter where you're getting your media, your news information from, everybody's talking about the potential for a government shutdown. Yeah,
1: they really are. And I think it's becoming more and more realistic. It's a possibility right now. Uh, More and more likely is maybe a better way to say it. And so how does that affect agriculture? Whereas my mother-in-law used to say, how does that affect my cats? And so uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, First of all, we do have a crop report, uh, quarterly stocks and small-grain summer report coming out on Friday that's affecting market. That should come through without any problems. But while that report's coming out, the, the USDA uh, will have uh, surveyors out in the field who will be collecting samples for the October crop report. And that's big for this market to understand what is the size of this crop. And they sample and weigh samples where the crop is mature. And for the September report, only 18% of the corn was mature, and that would be what was least impacted by the late season stress on the crop. Um, and 16% of the soybeans. Well, now we would anticipate most of the fields that they sample would be uh, mature enough in order to weigh and, and to measure. And so we would anticipate we would get much better results on what is the size of this year's crops for being reported on October 12th. If we have a partial government shutdown starting Sunday, those people will stop working. They'll quit sampling. They'll stop collecting and so if we go back to 2013 that was the last time we had a shutdown that i recall at this time of year we didn't have an october crop report we had to wait until november to find out uh what the data was on the crops so that could leave the market kind of somewhat in a vacuum of information we also won't have uh, the weekly export sales reports we won't have the crop condition reports we won't have export inspections reports. Export inspections will continue to happen, just like we'll continue to harvest animals at the at the slaughter plants as well. We just won't have the data reported, so the market will be operating without that data. And so it'll be subject to more volatility, maybe the drift of the outside markets may be having a bigger impact on it. And then an aspect of it that I don't think is being reported on too much, or really focused on too much, is the impact that that's all happening on the outside markets that influences the grain and oil seeds. And we saw that really play out today. We saw 10-year treasuries just surge significantly higher today, trading to a new 16-year high, uh, trading really up to about 4.64 percent. After putting in a low uh, below 4.5% earlier in a day, that's a significant move for one day, especially in the new 16-year highs. That caused the dollar to surge to new 10-month highs, and the dollar is going higher for a couple of reasons. One is Treasury yields go up, that increases demand for greenbacks by foreign investors wanting to take advantage of our debt market our treasury market Um, but it also is an indication of uh, global investors feeling like maybe the United States is best positioned to weather the storm of higher interest rates but as interest rates go up it increases the cost of carrying grain and so when the cost of carrying grain goes up what do we do in times of surplus like what we have in corn right now and in wheat right now you increase the carry in the market and the structure of the market And so as you increase the cost of the carrying to market, it changes marketing strategies for the farmer. It also increases, basically ends up increasing food inflation for the consumer as well, for the consumers out there that are listening to us. So its impacts are really far reaching. It's going to impact livestock production, ethanol production, biofuel production of all kinds uh, in their purchasing patterns for that. And all that related to... The fact that it takes more and more debt certificates that have to find buyers to support our government spending and the worries that we're going to have another credit downgrade moody's hasn't downgraded us yet we could have additional downgrade by the other credit rating agencies and when you do that that increases the cost of borrowing not just for the u.s government but for we as consumers for farmers producers or processors as well that impacts every one of us And that fear now of that being a downgrade, possibly being tied to a government shutdown is uh, really got the market excited now. While it's being largely blamed on the Fed, I think this is a a big factor in that as well.
0: So before we head to break, uh, do you expect any surprises in this Friday's report?
1: You know, I I can pretty well predict if there's a surprise in a monthly WASD report, crop report, what it'll be. But I found with the quarterly stocks reports that they just defy logic. That's what, I guess, makes some surprises. But usually it's in the corn stocks number that has the highest frequency. And we can get some big swings in those stocks numbers versus what expectations are. Meaning that either feed usage is much bigger or smaller than expected, depending on the, the move of the surprise or there's just a total miss in predicting the size of last year's crop. But I do expect a small downward adjustment in size of last year's corn and soybean crops.
0: All right. Well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up as we get ready for the second half of the Channel Final Bell. When we come back, we're going to take a look at who's buying the beans. We know they're not being bought from the United States. So is it South America they seem to have the biggest focus on for China? We'll also talk about the struggle that continues to happen within the protein trades today. It's the Channel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the channel Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we continue our conversation this afternoon with Arlen Suderman. Of course, Arlen is with Stonex. And, you know, we're talking about the whole macro side of everything that's been happening on this front half. And and then I kind of drifted over the thoughts of of China. And I noticed that the wires, again, been very quiet. But China's buying beans, just not like they usually do from the United States.
1: Yeah, this is our peak selling time, our peak shipment time, really, as the new crop supplies come in. And we have seen a little bit of a pickup, but not like what we need to see happening. And it's largely because of the massive crop in Brazil that China has been really hoarding those supplies and bringing them in. Um, oftentimes about 2 million metric tons or about 75 million bushels per month, more than what they're crushing. And they're crushing quite a few, um, but importing even more. So as we talk to our cash sources in China, um, and, and kind of get a feel for the purchases, we look at last week 's purchases really down only about eight cargoes of soybeans purchased last week um, that 's down from about fifteen cargoes the prior week, and the seasonal pace right now would be they 'd purchase about twenty to thirty cargoes per week, so really slowing it down they 've nearly covered their demand for October. Uh, They've purchased about 11 million metric tons for shipment this month. About 40% of that is supplied from Brazil and Argentina at a time when normally the United States would supply the bulk of that. Uh, Furthermore, China has committed about 4.3 million metric tons for November. That's nearly about half of what they need, so they still need to do some more buying. But about 40% of that was from Brazil that they purchased already there as well so if december and january they haven't bought a lot they're really tell us what they're waiting to see um is we believe they need to buy about 11 to 12 million more metric tons um for purchase for then uh they're waiting to see how the growing season gets started in brazil and they're waiting for the rainy season to start in brazil now ninos tend to see a late start to the rainy season uh if And there's some forecast models that say those rains are going to start maybe around this weekend or early next week. And if so, we'll see a rapid increase in planting. If they don't, then planting will continue to be delayed. And the bottom line is, if we see a normal planting season get started, which would mean really get going next week um, and everything start well, then the Chinese buyers would assume a normal crop at this point with a normal harvest date, And they would lean toward more buying Brazil um, soybeans and some Argentine soybeans rather than U.S., some U.S. in there, but not like they normally would. But if they see a late start to planting, meaning maybe a a shorter crop and maybe a late harvest, then they'll be a little bit more aggressive in buying from the United States. So that's the next thing they're watching for before they really book their December, and January and beyond Soybeans right now, and that could have a big impact on our uh, price prospects going forward as well.
0: That's my next question. Was going to be, what do we do um, from that perspective?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're basically getting down to toward pipeline supplies right now, and uh, we can afford to lose some sort of export demand because I think the crop's going to get a little bit smaller, and I think USDA's understating domestic crush. And we look at the amount of crush capacity that's opening up. Uh, for the current marketing year, new crush capacity, investors want to see it totally uh, utilized and get a return on their investment. I see crush being maybe 75 to 80 million bushels above where USDA is at. So we could afford to lose some export business and still keep relatively tight stocks unless China really cuts back their purchases, and then we could end up with a net negative and see stocks grow. So that's really going to be a key, is what does China do going forward? That, as I said, will have a big impact on prices going forward, and I think we'll learn a lot here over the next 30 to 60 days.
0: What are your thoughts on the struggle that we see in this protein market?
1: Yeah, as we look at it, uh, certainly fascinating the way we're going. Uh Cattle market this week, we had the big sell-off yesterday, a lot of fund liquidation. The packers kind of took advantage of that and said, okay, we'll offer you what we paid last week. And so we saw quite a few cattle move in the southern plains at 183, basically even on the week, taking advantage of some basis opportunities. Uh, still waiting for things to really get going well in the north to establish the market. Um, but the fundamentals are still there. We have seen choice cuts now dip below that $300 level, which I think is somewhat seasonal, but also somewhat of an indication of consumers cutting back purchases somewhat. As I said, some of that's seasonal, some of that's high prices pork demand though is going the other way and we look at the cold storage report that came out yesterday i think the surprise in that is beef supplies were down as expected pork supplies though were tighter than expected indicating a little better consumer demand than what we had anticipated and that's a positive fundamental going forward to provide some stability
0: lots of uh, great strong information arlen best way for folks to get a hold of you
1: at StoneX.com or over on X (used to be Twitter), my handle is Arlen A R L A N F F one zero one.
0: Well, that is a t- look at today's Channel Final Bell. The Channel Final Bell is brought to you by Channel Seed and your local Channel Seed professionals. Of course, you check this out as a podcast at RuralRadioNetwork.com or wherever you subscribe. And don't forget, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss; not suitable to all investors. That's the Channel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.